0: with me we did it a few weeks ago can you say my church church. and say it this way this is my church this is your pew your seat you feel that ownership that kind of ownership when you walk in the building this is my church I know I I feel a certain sense of I think I think sanctified pride when I walk into this building and walk up and you know (laughs) pastor mentioned we've had some problems across the campus. You know, I'm sure a lot of it's heat-related. You know, we've had different things break down and different service guys in here. And they'll walk in and they'll say, wow, this is beautiful. And I say, thank you. Because why? It's my church. It's my church. And I mean, it's not like I built it or paid for it or any of that, but it's, it's mine. I feel a certain sense of, I think it's a dignified, sanctified ownership of the fact that this is this is ours. This is our church. It's my church. Uh, it's interesting, though, because people don't always get that. They don't understand what it means. And for some people, they wonder why we even do church. Why do we have church? Why do we go to church? Pastor Nick and I had a unique experience today where we were talking with a guy who's uh, very Catholic, and that's his whole orientation and worldview. And he, as we were talking to him, it became clear he didn't even get what church, what, 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 when we do church, what that means. He didn't understand because his whole background is is very um, classic Catholic. So I, I got to explain to him what we do when we do church and what that means. And it was totally foreign. You could see that there was no recognition in his eyes because he didn't understand what it meant to connect with God at all. It didn't even make sense. For him, it was a ritual, something that he does every week. And I commend him for that part. But he didn't know the wholeness and the fullness of it that for probably some of us we may even Take it for granted. I wrote up here uh, bedside believers. You ever heard of that? You know the folks who attend church, but they do it from the couch. And I know a lot of people who do that. And there's times as a minister, and I've told you this before, that as a pastor, it's sometimes I don't always want to tell people what I do for a living because that changes the conversation. Sometimes for the better, but a lot of times, you know, there's there's something that I get a rel- on a relatively regular basis. They'll say. Just out of the blue, and it's funny because they don't. Maybe they don't understand. They're not trying to be offensive. They're being defensive, and they'll say, "I don't think you really have to go to church." <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, all right, and that starts a whole nother conversation. You know, with people, uh, it's interesting. Some people, this would be the only time they go to church. You know, what this is this is a kid in a in a church play, and maybe that's their nephew, or maybe that's their grandson, and that's the only time they're at church because they just don't they don't get what what we love and get about it. I, I pulled out some statistics. Gallup says that 40% of people in the United States say that they attend church regularly. That's what they say, 40%. 15% say that they never, ever, ever attend church. There's that middle ground of people who might go on Christer. I, know, I wrote that and I thought, boy, that sounds so sacrilegious to put Christ's name in that. But you know what I'm talking about, the people who go Christmas and Easter. And then you've got the other people who go Father's and Mother's Day. Those are the four most attended days of church in the year for, for a lot of different reasons. And you can guess the reasons that people say, but just, just because, let me just throw out some other statistics. Older people tend to go to church more than younger people. Some of this seems obvious, doesn't it? Sadly, because I'm a man, I think the statistics are sad, but women tend to attend church more than men. Uh, Mid-southern states, people tend to attend church more often than the coast people, east and west. Black Americans tend to attend church more often than white. And then statistically, evangelical churches, of which we would be one, tend to uh, attend church more than the mainline traditional denominations attend church. Here's some other statistics, or this is why people go to church. And you may be asked this someday, why do you go to church? And these may or may not be your answers, but in the Gallup poll, you know, oftentimes they'll have a multiple choice poll and sometimes you can fill in answers. And these are some of the most common answers that people said and these are percentages on the right. But spiritual growth and guidance would be the most reason people tend to say that they go to church. Keeps me grounded and inspired would be the next, it's my faith to worship God, fellowship, believe in God, Tradition, they go because they know they're supposed to go. That's kind of what most people say. But then that begs the question, well, if that's why, then why don't people go to church? Now, here's in this particular poll what most people said, that they don't agree with uh, organized religions, 24%. They don't have time, 21%. Don't believe in going to church, 16%. Say that they're atheist, 10%. I don't have a church to go to or one that I feel like I fit in, 9%. Um, this is true. A lot of people actually put this in, I'm lazy. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And there was a note in the in the survey underneath that said, yes, people actually said, I'm lazy. Um, and then 3%, which I thought would be greater, is that church asks for too much money. This is something that somebody said, and it was repeated often enough. I thought I would just put it in there. Um, why don't you go to church? Because we find that it's repetitious, predictable, and a meaningless ritual. I'd rather sleep in. I work hard all week, and I deserve it. A lot of people said they don't like church people. What's sad about this? I actually read a, another paper last week that talked about, unfortunately, this, this whole thing about bad tippers. Did you know that Christians have a reputation of being bad tippers? That's embarrassing. It's sad. And over the years, I've had friends who were, who were servers in restaurants, and they kind of said that too, that Sunday afternoon, that shift is not their favorite time to work. Because a lot of times, Christian groups they might come in in a group, and then they don't, they don't tip well. I know that's not true of you, and it's certainly not true of me. It's difficult, though, for me to make up for all the rest of us Christians So um, it's sad to me that that's that's become something that people say about Christians. Self-righteous. Unfortunately, that's the view of Christianity a lot of times is that we are self-righteous or hypocritical or perhaps those people are under conviction. Do you ever think about that? There is a positive twist to this. that Some people don't like Christians or going to church because they tend to feel maybe a little bit of conviction because of that or that we're kind of goody two shoes. You know, the funny thing about that, going to church doesn't make you good, does it? I mean, just walking in here doesn't make you good. It's kind of like that old saying, you know, that going into a garage doesn't make you a car. Going into a church doesn't doesn't make you good. Nothing that you do externally like that, just going to church itself doesn't actually make you good. And I I was thinking about this too, and I'm not trying to be defensive about this poll and the reason people don't like Christians, but this is true, and this this is just true. And this is just us talking about it, so you can take it for what it's worth. But it should be easier to notice hypocrites in the church, really. I, I almost don't mind being accused of that in a way because of this. Because the reason that hypocrites or hypocritical people who claim to be Christians are so obvious and glaring is the fact that we actually have a standard to live up to. If you have no standard, then you can never be called a hypocrite. We actually have that. So it's interesting, isn't it, that the world recognizes the standard? They know what's right and wrong. And they don't feel like themselves are hypocrites because they're not trying to live up to anything. So you can't accuse them of that. But with Christians, we do have a standard. There is a an agreed-upon thing that at least we're supposed to be. This is something that kind of personally was a little offensive, but... Why people don't go to church? Because I can do church at home alone with three or four better preachers. (laughs) Ouch. Yeah, it's true in a way, I guess. So why do we have church? I mean, if you were really asked that, what would you say? Like that guy that, that Pastor Nick and I was talking to today, I could tell that the look on his face was, why do you do this? What's this building for? Some of the guys who worked on our church this last week, or these, these last three days, I, I could tell the look on their face like, what are they doing here? What is it that makes this place this place? What's the point? Why do we come here? Why do we do this? Now just to, a bit of a review, we do it because of this, this. We love God and love others. When Jesus was asked Really, the the religious people of his day were trying to trap him and say, what is the greatest commandment? Because they would argue about what commandment was greater, whether it was the first or third or fourth or whatever. And Jesus cut right through the chase, cut right to the chase, cut right through their, their foolishness. And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, the entire law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Think about it for a minute. They were all very familiar with that first part. The Hebrews called it the Shema. It's something that they would repeat over and over and over. You know what happens when you repeat something too many times? It's kind of like sign blindness, isn't it? It just starts to wash past you and wash over you. and it, It loses its power and fervency. It's as if you've said it so many times that it's become rote memory and it loses its meaning. Don't ever let this verse lose its meaning. It's so packed full of power. We are to love God with literally every component of ourselves. He doesn't tell us to check our brain at the door. He doesn't tell us to check our emotions at the door. He doesn't check, tell us to check what we can do and our strength and our body at the door. None of that. He wants all of us, every single bit. And if we love him that way with all of us, then nobody would ever even think of hypocrisy because you would literally be living out this verse. And then this verse, the natural, obvious conclusion and part of it is that if you love God that way, you can't help but love others. So what does that look like, and why do we do church? We do church because of this, this, what pastor's been talking about, so we can grow, we can connect, and we can go. That's how we put all of this into action, because we need to grow. Now think of, I want you to think of this almost in two ways tonight. As we're talking about these things, I want you to think about your own personal experience. In other words, how has church, this church, any church you've been associated with, grown up in, whatever, how has this church or church measured up in your personal life, and then what part of this should you be doing to make this happen in your church? Can we say that again, my church? This is my church. Because on the one hand, we can be a little bit indignant at times and say, I didn't get that in my church, or I didn't get that growing up, or this is missing in church. Then on the other hand, you have to look at it and say, is it missing because I'm not doing it? Am I not working at this hard enough to make this part happen? So let's talk about this first part again, this grow. What does it mean to have encouragement in church? Why do we go to church? It's sad because people miss it. They don't understand what they're missing. They don't even know what it's about because they miss the fact that there's an encouragement that you get in church, or you should get in church. Now, that's not to say that there's times where you go to church and you walk out and you feel the same. But what you should do is, you're walking to your car, you should say, why didn't I get that today? Maybe it was for the person sitting next to me. You know how sometimes you elbow your wife, that was for you? I'm just kidding, I've never done that. If you walk out of church and you're not encouraged, I... I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that it might have been you. Was there someone at church that you should have been encouraging? Because part of it is for us and part of it is not. Part of it is for everybody else that's sitting around us. But there is an element of encouragement that can and should happen at church every time you're in here. <laughs> that people just, they make you feel better about who you are. That your faith should be challenged and and at the same time encouraged. That your interaction with the other brothers and sisters in Christ should encourage you in your faith. That, That it should grow you. You know, we are, if you're living the Christian life correctly, then you are running into obstacles every moment of your day. Whether that's something you're seeing on TV or a movie or something you're reading in the newspaper or a person. Because it's, it's, anybody remember that old Christian shirt where it had all these fish going in one direction and they had that one little Christian fish going against the flow? Anybody remember that? We are that little Christian fish that's going against the flow of the world. The flow of the world that says that it's all about self. The flow of the world that, you know what? Mindy's right there. The flow of, and I want her to come in here. I don't want to miss this. She's, yeah, she's right there, Dan. If you're doing it correctly, then you are going against the flow of everything else. And you need to be here to be encouraged to know that it's not just you. You know what I mean? It's almost like you step out of that flow in that river that's going against you when you step into here. And then when you're in here, you're around the rest of the fish that are like you. And there's something about that that's encouraging. I'm not alone. Hannah has the same struggles with, that I do. do. Do you see how that works? It's not just you, and you can be encouraged. Hey, I was talking about... Mindy, I've already introduced you and in everything. You're all ready to go. So come on up. Mindy, where are you going to school? Um, school. Now in Middle School. And what grade are you going to be in? Eighth grade. Eighth grade. And what are you going to play for us today? Um, come, thou fount of every come thou fount of every blessing. And you, when you competed at our district level you got this superior with invitation, and then you're going to be competing in Louisville in, what is that, three weeks, four weeks? Okay. All right. Are we ready, Dave? All right, let's just, let's just enjoy this tonight. Thank you, Mindy. That was amazing she, That's amazing <laughs> what a talent, huh? Oh my goodness, oh my goodness! I can't imagine I mean if she's just now going into eighth grade. can you imagine with uh, beg your pardon that's my church that's right. She's in my church that's right <laughs> That's encouraging to see kids doing that. you know to me that's an encouragement. Uh, let, let me go further with this encouragement idea. <laughs> Think about this. When you come to church, one of the things that people don't often recognize is the fact that, that God, God uses different artistic expressions to meet different people in different areas. Now, Pastor has joked about music. Well, he isn't joking, but he's talked about music and how he appreciates certain types of music speaks to him. And we all have that. We all have different styles that speak to us. But there's times where we use drama or we use video. What is that about? That's about helping you grow in a way that's maybe unique to you. And and we're all different. I mean, some of us enjoy and drama speaks to us in ways that it doesn't necessarily work for everybody. Some people just want, you know, straight, just give me the book to read and I can get it. Some of us grow that way. Others don't. I mean, it's different for each and every one of us, and that's the beauty of what we can do in church because it, 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 it works that way for us. We need church because we need a break from this world that we live in, and we need to take a break and come together and be encouraged because we're not crazy. Well, we may be, but at least we're crazy together with my church. I like that. I like to be able to go to my church where I feel comfortable and I know people and people know me. How many... Remember the theme song from Cheers? Anybody old enough? Well, what was that? It's everybody knows your name. You just want to go where everybody knows your name. I don't know how many of you watched that show, but there's, there was a certain creeping, aching sadness about it when Norm walked in and everybody said, Norm, because he wasted his money and his life and his time there every day. And the reverse of that, I mean, hopefully in a good way, that should be the way it is here, where you come here, and you grow because you're encouraged, because people know who you are. They know your name. They know your struggles. They know what you're fighting with. They know what, you, what you're dealing with, and they love you, and they encourage you. Church is a place, for obviously, for instruction. I mean, we grow in instruction. We grow here. Now... In most things in the world, we don't, once you get out of high school or maybe college, how many people intentionally grow and change things? Usually it's kind of unintentional. It's just whatever washes over them and they learn. I mean, most people don't really intentionally learn or expand their horizons or grow. But as Christians, that's the point of church. We come here because we can grow. We can sit under a man who is, sometimes I wish he wasn't here so I could talk More about him in this room, but I mean, this guy reads Greek every day. Every day, he pours over that. He is somebody that that is educated in in a way that can really take us deeper in our understanding and our the way we see and understand the Word of God. That's an amazing thing. Church is a place where our kids can learn on their level. Where we have a children's pastor that teaches them, at, and and the teachers teach them at the level that they need to learn it. Where we have a youth pastor that teaches the the word at a level where youth can understand it. That is what it is for. It's amazing. It's You know, Scripture specifically says that we're here to learn um, uh, l- l- proper doctrine, to have our doctrine corrected. And why do we need that? Because sometimes we don't know exactly the words in there. I mean... You know, there, there are words, like when, when the scripture uses the very technical term propitiation. I mean, I've, I've never used that in conversation. Ever. But it's a very technical term about our salvation and how Christ not only paid the price for us, but took our place. I mean, it's a very technical term. You learn that in church. That's what it's for. We learn the depths of what grace means and apply it to our lives. That's what it's for. Inspiration. Now this is what a lot of people think of when they think of church that they go and they're, maybe they're inspired by the beauty or inspired by the music or inspired by, you know, in some of maybe our mainline denominations, inspired by the architecture or the stained glass or, or maybe the lofty sounds of what is said from the pulpit, that kind of thing. But we're also inspired when we, when we hear a worship song that speaks exactly to what our need is that day. And God does that. When he speaks to us, when there's a word, I mean, I was so encouraged by uh, the move of the Spirit in our service on Sunday. And if you missed that, you know, that's not something we put on the recording, and it wouldn't be the same anyway. But the fact is, when worship, you know, and Pastor Nick and the team, and God used worship to take us to a level of inspiration that was just an amazing move, and then as he led that, and then turned that kind of over to pastor, as he led that further, and then that moved into an altar time. That is inspiring, that is amazing, and we had two words of prophecy, and that is inspirational. That's what we do, church. That's what church is for. I'm trying to advance my slides, guys, and it's not working back there. So I don't know what's go what's going on. Um, beyond that, though, that's not where it begins and ends. It's also about a place and pastor eloquently talked about this on Sunday where church is about connecting. And we and we talk about the fact that it's it's about connecting with God and that kind of dovetails with the idea of inspiration, but it's also connecting with each other here. That's that's why we put a coffee shop in the lobby. This guy that Nick and I were were was talking to, you know, this guy that I told told you was like from a very traditional Catholic background and I I 've done some funerals in some Catholic churches around town since i 've been here in Kansas City, so I, and I knew where he was from, the part of Kansas City, Kansas he was from, and I just asked him well what churches do you, what church do you go to and And as t- is typical when he you know then he, you know you get specific that he say, "Well, when I have time, you know I go to this one or I go to these two downtown and and those churches are beautiful, and I 'm sure at some level he connects with God there, but as he walked into our lobby. He didn't even he couldn't conceptualize this being a church because he didn't understand the idea of connecting with each other in this building, my church. And then Pastor Nick was saying, but, but see, and when you look at this coffee shop, it's not just bringing a coffee shop into the church. It's a place where people hang out and they have very comfortable conversations over a smoothie or coffee or whatever. And they hang around that front area there and, and you guys know what I'm talking about because as you come into church, there could be a crowd out there and then as Sunday school starts and they go to their classes and we have a class in there for 20-somethings and then, you know, as church ends and people are talking and there's times where if you're here and you're just lingering, it's amazing how 30, 40 minutes after church is over, sometimes longer, there's a crowd in the lobby talking. What are they doing? They're connecting with each other on a far deeper level than had they just come and left. And you know what I'm talking about because you know each other that way. You've taken advantage of that. There's a common ground that we share as Christians where, like I said before, that other people may not be able to relate to, but it's that thing. You know how it is when you, <clears throat> when you're, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but years ago, this is a stupid story maybe, but years ago I, I w- had I was kind of traveling in Europe and I was in Paris and... I heard some people speaking English, and they were American English. You know what I'm talking about? And I had been out of country for a couple weeks, and it was, I didn't know these people. They weren't from California. They weren't weren't even like me in any way, except for we're Americans. And I turned around and I said, hey, where are you from? And they had the exact same feeling. And you could see it in their face. And we hugged. It was just the weirdest thing. Here we are hugging on the Champs-Élysées right by the Arc de Triomphe and and these two completely different Americans. Why? Because we're connecting over something we have in common. And that's what happens at my church. You know what I'm talking about because you've experienced the same thing. We have common struggles. There's something about it when you don't have to go through all the explanations With people because you already understand. It's like you already know the backstory because the same you have the same backstory. There's something amazing about the connection we make at church because there's power in numbers. I'm glad you were here, Cindy, because we prayed together with for you, and these numbers of people see you and connect now your face with that prayer we've been praying, and it makes a difference. And you're going to remember and pray for her differently because you've seen her and connected here. Does it make sense? There's power in that. There's power in the connection that we have from each other. I love that that we can learn from and then invest in each other. So what I, I uh, been, um, every once in a while this happens where a young minister will need someone to do this mentoring thing that we do in the district and that happened today and so I needed a Mentor with a young minister, and um, they said something like, um, I'm "Glad we can do this because I have a lot to learn." And I laughed and I said, "So do I." And they looked at me like, "What could you learn from me?" And I, I got the opportunity to tell them, "You think that it's all one way? It's not. It can't be. It's not. It's not designed to be that way. There are people in this congregation who have walked." with Christ, walked with God longer than some of us have been alive. We have a lot to learn from them. And yet it's, it's not as if they know everything because there are new struggle and there's things that we can learn from each other. It's a, it's a two-way relationship when you're really connecting with other Christians. Let me take this a step further as a challenge to you. If this is not happening for you or hasn't happened, I'm going to challenge you to be the one to initiate that. And I know what you're thinking. Well, that's not fair. I haven't been here as long as them. Or that's not fair. I'm the shy one. Or that's not fair. But you know what? This is supposed to be happening here. And if it's not happening to the degree that I'm describing or that you want it to happen, then maybe you be the one to invite them to lunch. You can go Dutch. Is it awkward to say that? Hey, you want to have lunch? But, you know, let's, let's maybe do away with the awkwardness and just... Spend that time together. you know how you get to know someone even more than that? You have them in your home. S- some of you I know are saying, oh, no, then I would have to clean. <laughs> we all know how that goes, how you're working at it, and you're thinking, oh, well, we'll just close this door, and then they'll never see that room. <laughs> can, we, can we get beyond that and actually have them in the home and connect? Because when you do that, you know people on such a different level. It's totally different when you do that. You see the pictures they hang on the wall. You see the way they arrange the furniture. And maybe it doesn't mean anything, but you do know them better. And you see the way that they dress in their own house. I mean, all those things give you a whole new look at who somebody is. I love when we go to life group at your house, Sheila. Because I feel like I know you more than I do because I'm in her home and I, I, I feel like I'm part of the family even I'm not. And that's how we should feel because we're connected to each other. We're supposed to grow but we're also here as a church connect. And we've already talked about connecting with God but I'm talking about connecting with each other and connecting in a far deeper way than than we even have at all. Spiritual gifts. It's really clear in scripture. I know we went through the whole book of First Corinthians but this particular scripture out of First Corinthians, uh, you think we'd have it memorized after going through all these scriptures. First Corinthians twelve seven says, "Now to each one of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It's for for us to share. Now, obviously, some of these spiritual gifts are meant to be used individually, but the vast majority of them, the context within which they're described in Scripture, is in my church." There's so much about connecting. Mutual ministry, interdependent. 1 Corinthians 12 comes to mind when it talks about the body. Remember how interdependent the body was supposed to be and how the eye can't say it's, You know, I don't feel like I'm a part because I'm not the ear or whatever. On and on. There are so many scriptures that use that phrase, one another. I mean, I just put a sample up there. But there, there I mean, there's a page full. One another implies connectedness here in my church. And in my church, we're supposed to comfort each other. And, I mean, Larry comes to mind because of what he's going through. Uh, Your daughter with her friend Jennifer comes to mind. Comfort, you know, comforting. These young ministers I was talking to today, um, the next thing we, we need to talk about is some of the ministerial, like formal duties, like doing weddings and funerals. And they're scared to death about a funeral. How do you comfort somebody? You know how we comfort? Because we're connected. And we've, we've all touched death in one way or another, at one level or another, and we can share that pain together. We're supposed to build one another up, confess sin to one another, pray for one another. I mean, the, this is connection that my church, that's what my church is about. <laughs> um, in addition to the one another's, do you know what the imoni is? You don't have a testimony without a test. All you have is a money. You ever heard that before? <laughs> I know it's corny. But there is a power in testimony. A power in it. I remember as a kid, we, you had these bless me service. You ever had that? Where, you know, I might say, I bless you, Jim. And then Jim would get to share a testimony. It was almost like you're picking on your friends. Because then, then Jim would be done. And, and then um, he might say, bless you, Ashley. Then Ashley would share a testimony and then see how it works. And it just starts to roll. And I remember as a kid, it was so entertaining because you had no idea what people were going to say. But you know what else? It was always so cool to hear what God is doing in people's lives. And we don't often share that. And what it does is it connects us to not only what they're going through, but it connects us to what's possible in our own lives. It's a powerful thing. Accountability. We've... We've talked about the connectedness and the necessary elements of accountability, but I just wanted to share a couple more scriptures with you about that. First, Peter says, "Be shepherds. this is speaking specifically to pastors. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. That can't happen if we're not here together and connected. Have confidence in your leaders. This is obviously to the congregation, and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden for that would be of uh, no benefit to you. That implies we're together and connected, or that can't happen. Probably the most famous scripture in this about being connected and being in my church is let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And this is to you about being connected to each other. I mean, how do you spur one another along in good works if you don't know each other enough to do that? That's connectedness. You're connected, and that's the whole point. And the last part of that, which Pastor will be speaking about in a couple weeks, is go. Go. We are instructed on how to go and go to the world. There's a strategy that is given. It really comes down to marching orders, and here they are from Jesus himself. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here's what I'd like us to do for just a second tonight. I want you to shut your eyes and I want to talk to you with your eyes closed. Here's why. I like to do this because it gives you a at least a feeling of that you're alone in the room. It's like the little kid who covers their eyes and says, you can't see me. That's what we're doing. The reason I'm doing it is because I know as I've been talking about what our church is, my church, that at certain levels you've thought, that hasn't been my experience. And if that is you, I I wish it was. And I want it to be. But at some level, there's times where if you haven't had that experience, you can grow a certain resentment or maybe, maybe you, you infer a reason for that, that maybe somebody thinks they're better than you or, or on and on. I mean, there's so many ways that we can become hardened toward what God wants to do in my church because of hurts that you've experienced through this time. If that is you, I just want to pray with you for a moment. Because if that has not been your experience in church, then God would like to just heal you at, at that point of whatever it is that's happened. It may involve you forgiving somebody or forgiving a memory or asking God to help take a memory and make it something that's not, no longer painful to you. If that is you, I just want you to pray along with me right now as I pray. And if you would just keep your eyes closed and heads bowed after this prayer. Father, for those in this room who my description of church, my church, this church even, hasn't been true, and that brings some anxiety or pain along with it.